Welcome back to Beyond the Field, a property and finance education series powered by Money Empire. Today, we are joined by the CEO of Public Trust, Glenis Talavai. Glenis is here today to share her background and experience in the industry, and she's also going to feature in our upcoming educational pieces focusing on wills, estates, and power of attorneys. Thanks for listening to Beyond the Field podcast. I'm Jess Wallstrom here with Kane Wallstrom and we have our guest speaker today, Glenis Talavai from CEO of Public Trust. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Thanks so much for coming in today. We know that you're super busy, so appreciate your time. Oh no, it's my pleasure. <laughs> so today we're going to have a chat with Glennis about her background and her professional career. And Glennis is also going to feature in our upcoming educational pieces around wills and estates and EPAs. So to get started, Kane, have you got some quick fire questions for Glennis? Yes, I do. What would be your dream car if you had an unlimited budget? Oh, it would definitely be an Audi R8. Mm. Oh, I like yeah. them. Yeah, I yeah, like yeah. them. Some nice ones up here on Great yeah, North yeah, Road, yeah. actually. Pretty fast. <laughs> if you were a shoe, what type of brand would you be? Oh, that's a very good. I, oh. If I was a shoe, are you a comfort or are you a look? I'm a bit of both. Yeah, a bit of both. I've got really small feet, so I can't go too high. Yeah. So that's why you're, you're stumping me on this one. I think I would be sort of a mid-heel, but it definitely needs to be shiny. So nice. okay. Mia Piacci's a, Ooh, yeah. a brand okay. that I, I, I'd spend a lot of money in. I don't um, think Kane would know what that is, yeah. but I appreciate no. that. I'll go for a comfy sneaker. Yeah. Um, Favourite food? Favourite food? Um, definitely fish. Love blue cod. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Now, are you a cook? Uh, I'm an amateur cook. I'm not a huge foodie. I okay. have. I'm. I'm really fussy about my food. So, okay. so but I do cook. So, what's your go-to dish? Um, my go-to dish. If I'm entertaining others, I make a really mean prawn Thai Ooh. dish. Okay. Um, if it's just me, then I will make um, sort of fish. Uh, you know, really wholesome fish with veggies and stir fry and bits and pieces like that. Okay. And go. take your current job out of the play, dream yeah. job, uh, if it wasn't being CEO of Public Trust. Dream job, always grew up wanting to be an architect, studied architecture. Ah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay, next question. <laughs> Existing home or new build? Definitely a new build, always okay. always like the next thing. We've okay. built a bit of our home, so we've yep. renovated a home, but um, yeah, I'd definitely go there again. Fantastic. Nice. Jess, over to you. Cool. Okay, so to start with today, let's go back to the early years so share with us where you grew up your family your schooling all that kind of stuff um so i grew up in wellington Mm -hmm. um and i have one brother hurricanes yeah well yes hurricanes except for now that we live in auckland and bowden barrett's (laughs) Ah, yeah my son's asked for blues jerseys for the first time this last weekend (laughs) so i think we've transitioned yeah um, yes, I grew up in Wellington. I went to um, a Catholic girls' school, Sacra Heart College in Lower Hutt, yep. so all girls' school, um, and then on to Vic Uni. And as I said earlier, um, studied architecture there, mm-hmm. um, but got into financial services because I worked part-time at the bank. Right. And, um, so the bank back then was just an income filler. Yeah, the bank, bank back then funded my architecture yeah, studies, yeah, yeah, basically. Right. So, like um, you know, when you're a student, and at that time I was pretty determined not to get a student loan yeah. to, to pay my way through uni. So I worked quite extraordinary hours while mm. studying. Yeah. Um, 
But then when I graduated is that the bank offered me a job. Mm. And so I could have gone into um, sort of architecture at minimum wage. Yep. Mm. Um, and I have to say, unashamedly, I took the money in my yes. head. Thought, yeah, well, yeah. I'll work at the right. bank for the next year, yeah. go overseas and then come back and be an architect. Yeah. Um, but ended up staying at the bank for at ANZ Bank for eleven years. So, wow! Yeah. So yeah. the bank's quite a common role for a lot of people initially, yeah. right? Foot yeah. in the door, financial services as well, um, and customer services. Yeah, day. definitely. Mm. How, Defi- you, how did you find the bank? Oh, look, I loved working at ANZ. Yeah. Is that as a I mean, I didn't come through the official graduate program. You know, I had been working with them for three years, um, went into a leadership role after I graduated, Mm. um, worked in their contact centre area, um, then started managing credit cards in that space. Um, So whenever anyone would call up around a credit card, that was um, the team that I looked after. Um, And then went out into the retail network, um, trying to broaden. But the great thing about the bank is that you had so many opportunities. So... If you had initiative, you were willing to learn and, and, yeah. and get out of your comfort zone, then actually, you know, there was huge opportunities. Yeah. Um, and that corporate world, they're looking for a lot of youth now, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, they are. There's a changing guard there. Yeah, they are. They have really dedicated graduate programs these days mm. that purposefully get people across yeah. the different dynamics of the banking system so yeah. that they're much more well-rounded and kind of have exposure in each of the different areas before you kind of decide which part of the bank you want to work in. Yeah. Yeah. Great exposure to be able to try so many different things in one entity. I also too think as Kiwis we we look at a bank and we trust them. So the people that work inside Mm. them need to be trusted when giving advice. And even though sometimes they're not at that level, I see BNZ uh, have come out and said they're going to put all their staff through like a financial services course or something. Mm. So probably trying to upgrade or upstill a bit more information into people working there, which I think is great. Yeah, Mm. absolutely. So Mm. the bank gave me – my first big opportunity was – back in 2005 when I moved to Auckland to be a regional manager so um, and back then you know banks were changing all of the time so yeah. you know I think I reapplied for my role about four times <laughs> in the next four years but I ended up looking after sort of from the Harbour Bridge to Kaitaia so mm-hmm. when you get that mixture mixture of metro regional rural yeah mm-hmm. you know you learn pretty quickly in terms of different parts of the business and what type of business were you um, looking after? so then? I looked after the retail branch network right, okay. um, and small business yep. yeah so um, challenging yeah really challenging particularly the different groups um, yeah. back then you know um, Auckland, you know, whilst we were starting to get quite a migrant um, population, mm. is that we were probably heavily underrepresented on the North Shore. So that mm. was a huge learning curve. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, how you lead a business is quite different when you're talking to North Shore mm. locations versus Kaitaia and yeah. Kiri yeah, Kiri and Kaikoui and, yeah. and the like. Agriculture so, compared to, you know, the city yeah, as well. different needs, different mm. um, different focuses. So you have to be, you learn to be quite flexible, mm. yeah. I think. And and I think you need to think quite, um, you know, quite broadly yeah. about, about what's going on. Mm. So... Yeah, so and and I think the biggest thing about the bank is you had lots of opportunities mm. to develop. So, you know, they invested heavily in me. It was a pretty big call when I decided to leave to go to Medical Assurance Society. But So where yeah. did you get to with 
in the bank before you left? So before I left, I was um, part of the senior leadership team there. Mm-hmm. So I was looking after what was called um, branch transformation. So we yeah. were doing some um, experimentation in terms of the self-service that you see in right. branches now. Right. We were implementing a new MyTail system. So I had quite a unique role where mm. I was able to work on lots of different projects that was happening in the bank. Mm. Did um, you at times get frustrated with the slowness of, of moving technology inside uh, banks? Yeah, yeah, you do. You yeah. do. Um, Legacy systems an entrenched yeah. sort of IP there yeah right? you do I think that you've got to be I think you get caught up in that the pace is is a, you know can be challenging mm. um, equally though at that time there was a dedicated shift to actually we need to shift to self-service and yeah. so you know they were prepared at that particular point in time to invest and do some things quite differently and yeah. when was that uh, I left there in 2009. Okay, oh, so 2009, yeah, yeah. So it, it's been in the works for a yeah. long time, all the automation yeah, that's coming absolutely. into play and becoming the way that people do their banking now. Definitely, yeah. and I mean the banks have just gone exponentially mm. since then, you yeah. know, in, yeah. in some way, shape or form, they you know, they lead a lot of the market mm. um, in terms of what you can now do online. Mm. You know, yeah. if I think back to what online banking looked back, look like back then yeah. to what you can do today it's it's chalk and cheese yeah and I suppose you do have to feel for a bank when you've got thousands of staff employed and you know massive systems it's so hard to make a shift inside there in terms yeah. of change for tech as well mm. so they have to go through processes right yeah they do they mm. do definitely so then you moved over to Medical Assurance Society. What was that role and what was involved with that? Um, so I moved there as um, GM Sales and Marketing. Yep. So my main driver there was that it was an executive role. Yeah. And so, um, you know, it, like I said, I felt like it was quite a big call because it was mm. also moving back from Auckland back to Wellington. Right. Um, okay. Which was good. Yeah. You, know, uh, you know, Wellington's my hometown and I love it. Mm, but yeah. Um, you know, a big shift. Um, but there I looked after sales, products and marketing. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'd always been w- leading big distribution teams, so yeah. sales teams. Um, and this was a time when the Financial Advisors Act was coming in mm-hmm. and, you, you know, it was shifting um, the whole market around financial advice. Mm-hmm. So this was post-GFC, right? It was, yeah. it was. So there's a big move then, wasn't there? Yeah, there was, there was. Um, and, you know, it gave me an opportunity to broaden my skill set around products of marketing and, um, and leading those pieces it's also a small company so Mm. you know at that time there was about you know 220 employees in the entire company so um, you could really at a when you're first starting out and as as an executive in terms of understanding quite a broad business Mm. um, you know a really nice sized company doing some pretty awesome stuff Mm. I have to say and you probably could sink your teeth in from the very lowest level right up to the very top yeah yeah it wasn't difficult to get right down into the front line that's for sure so and quite a unique company. It's very mm. highly regarded by its members. Has a dedicated membership in terms of medical professionals and and the like. So quite a unique proposition yeah. in the market. Yeah. They've grown quite a lot, haven't they? They have. Yeah. They have. And they provide um, for doctors and that they provide the the uh, medical insurance. Or sorry, the, the um, insurance for um, life cover and all that. Is that yeah, correct? Yeah. So they yeah. do general Cor- insurance, life insurance, income protection. Okay. At that time, they also did financing, so okay, um, right. they had a lending portfolio wow. um, for their practices or for them as so individuals. they would it would be personal borrowing, yeah. you know, so if they wanted to buy a car or bits and pieces okay. like that, and or though borrowing for practice equipment, right. okay. um, that's now they don't do that so mm. much anymore. Um, and then of course they've got investment portfolios in KiwiSaver, yeah, right. So um, and. 
you know, so quite distinct different businesses within within that medical one, assurance society yeah. um, but really highly connected like I said to their membership so and they were they were obviously to, able to provide insurance or cover to surgeons and that were they, like where probably a normal insurance company wasn't able to no so they don't provide like liability cover or okay. things like that yeah. um, it is more that um, you know general insurance life insurance but I think understanding um, some of the challenges mm. and yeah. um, risks that those professions face yeah. um, and then tailoring to those needs I think really. there's a big need for that in New Zealand yeah. tailoring some specific insurance or covers mm. even group yes. covers as well yeah I mean um, they've extended their membership quite significantly yeah. um, you know when I was there we started looking at legal professionals yeah um, uh, you know, accountants and, and bits and pieces like that. So more of that professional end of the market. And, yeah. and now I think they've even broadened it further, you know. Yeah. So um, still targeted at the professionals, but it's kind of, you know, yeah. um, you know, I, I don't know. You see them much more in the mainstream yeah. than you get used to. And yeah. too, like in that professional, those high-end um, incomes, they do like to go to a niche, like, you know, for insurance, yes. and if they can go to the medical um, insurance society and, and obtain what they need, it, it helps everyone out, right? Well, they, they start off right at medical school. You know, they, they work alongside the medical students who mm. are just starting out. Yeah, so, cool. you know, I think they build relationships early and, and yeah. carry that through, which was um, you know, a great thing about that business. Yeah. Cool. I can yeah. imagine it would be quite um, – well, it was. would it be more cost-effective for them to do it through a entity like that as opposed to going like to a mainstream insurer um look i think that um Maz, you know has always been highly competitive yeah. so i think they compete in the market i think it's understanding that um the service proposition that yeah. sits around Maz is yeah. that they make it really easy when you make a claim mm. um and you know i probably should disclose i still have all my insurance with them so <laughs> <laughs> I is that um, they make it really easy, but I think because they understand the professionals that they're working with, yeah. and that they, you know, I mean, you can imagine that doctors don't have a lot of time to deal with stuff like this. So, no. you know, they sell their proposition around, we understand you, and so therefore, you know, yeah. if something goes wrong, we'll make it really easy yeah. um, mm. for you. Um, to sort that out really nice so so how long were you with um so i was with them for about five years and then i moved back to auckland um to work with tower insurance right and what were you doing with tower um so with tower i i I actually held multiple roles there um (laughs) not necessarily intentionally but i started out as gm strategy and performance so looking after their people and culture strategy Mm -hmm. big part of businesses eh? yeah culture the the enterprise project office so specifically went there to do something quite different to what I'd done previously in my career Um, now when I did get there because of my history at Maz and of course in between time we'd had the Christchurch earthquakes Mm. is that um, when I arrived I also picked up the Canterbury earthquake portfolio so um, which was quite different to the rest of the portfolio so managing and overseeing Mm. um, claims in that space stressful times inside there because obviously people down there were devastated but also too you know the last thing you think of is okay cool I've got insurance so I need yeah. pay it. and we know it's a lot more complicated than that look I think that um, you know looking back on Christchurch and and that yeah I think I think there's just so much learnings both for yeah. you know um, I think how you respond in general to yeah. um, devastating earthquakes like that but you know for insurance industry participants as well as mm. yeah. you know the earthquake commission and the like is that um, I think that 
I don't know, my personal opinion, completely underestimated probably the complexity that sat down there. And, you know, all of the modelling had previously been done in areas like Wellington, not on places like Christchurch and, you know, liquefaction and trying to understand how you remedy and rebuild um, on land like that. Um, It's funny. Probably wasn't well known. I remember... Vividly on the when I was in Australia, the footage coming through on the Christchurch earthquake and just the devastation, like those old beautiful buildings down there, and yeah. even still when you go down there, they're still rebuilding. You know, yeah. that main city, so it's pretty incredible. And, and I mean, pretty difficult times for mm. people. You know, they'd lost their homes. They're trying to work through an insurance process. Um, you know, and it, it, at the end of the day, the whole idea of insurance is mm. that you get back what you had before. Mm. Um, but of course, in a situation like Christchurch, it's very difficult to get back what you yeah. had before yeah. um, because of the nature of the event. And mm. so, you know, that causes quite a lot of challenge and complication when then, it, you know, you're really going into negotiating, well, what, what does the settlement look like under the yeah. terms of the insurance contract? So what was the mood inside Tower at that stage as staff and, and governance as well? Was it like pressure cooker around that? Oh, look, I think, um, I think there was a, a lot of pressure, but more so is that um, mostly around, you know, how do you get a really good view mm. of what this really looks like yeah. and what it's going to look like in the future? Because that's probably a key part of insurance. You've got a provision for claims. Yeah. And so constantly you're looking at well, what do we think these claims are going to cost? How much is it going to cost us to you know, to rebuild these yeah. homes or to, to settle and the like. So, um, you know, there's a lot of um, analytics that go in behind that. You know, you're dealing with actuaries and, mm. and the like. And so, but equally too, I mean, certainly where I sat because, you know, I manage the team that's actually engaging with customers. So yeah. you've got this whole analytical piece that happens behind trying to determine as a company because it's really important to the company to understand what is that provision going to look like and um, and you know it's a massive impact to your balance sheet Mm. Um, but then equally too you've got customers you know there's real life customers out there that actually you need to help and and get back into their homes Mm. and so um, you know, which was always the priority, I have to say, is mm. that, um, you know, it, and unfortunately in situations like this, as, as much as what you'd like it to move as quickly as possible, the <laughs> reality is, is it just doesn't. Yeah. Um, which and is really difficult, you know. Yeah. Some people were displaced for a long time. Tower too is a business, so they have to be profitable and they've got to look yeah. at their portfolios and actuaries and rebalance books and premiums and that as yes. well. So the adjustments that come after that, I can imagine, were um, quite intense, the discussions yeah. in-house. Well, Tower was quite, you know, Canterbury earthquakes aside, Tower was quite an exciting place to work at that time yeah. because was going through quite a big shift. You know, so before I'd gotten there, you know, had sold health insurance and yeah. life insurance mm. and all the rest of it, had diverged, got rid of all of that sort of stuff, and then was really being focused on being a direct player, which meant that you, you needed to upgrade all of your online services. So there was huge investment in that. Um, when I arrived, um, you know, launching Trade Me Insurance in yep. conjunction with Trade Me, and mm. so quite some interesting work happening, and then really trying to reinvent the experience around claims and and how do you automate more of that. So mm. when I left Tower, I was looking after so so my portfolio shifted quite a bit because. Um, while I was there, there was a change in CEO, mm-hmm. um, and so with that change, I let go of people and culture, um, and then picked up all of claims as well as wow. Canterbury. Um, and then when I left, I was looking after 
all of the frontline teams, so claims, sales, retention, um, as well as overseeing their simplification program as, as sponsor. So, mm. And that was a whole new core insurance platform, yeah. so technology platform being implemented, which was a um, you know, a massive undertaking yeah. for the business. Um, but, you know, it has really set them on the way in terms of their um, being a direct player and, mm. and trying to challenge the big players. I mean, yeah. there's two big players in the market, so, you know, have set themselves up as trying to be the challenger yeah. brand in that particular space. So, you know, I learnt heaps from that five years that I spent there. Mm. Um so and then there was so Tower yes, and then you moved to Public Trust yes. Did you enter Public Trust as a CEO? Yes, nice. I did. Tell us about that. Yeah, so I, I that's a that's a that's sorry, a, that's yeah, a that's real a, shift, yeah, right? It is, it is, it like is. your background and what you've come from that corporate, you know, yeah. um, banks and financing insurance, and then all of a sudden to come over to the Public Trust. Yeah. So um, so one of the things that I love to do and and have kind of done through my career is really focus on customer customer experience yep. and and how do you really try to reshape that mm. um, so that you're meeting customers' needs, um, but in ways that are perhaps quite innovative and different mm. to what even customers expected. Mm. But really trying to get and understand that. Um, I had decided after five years at Tower that I wanted something bigger and mm. ideally wanted, you know, to. I, to lead a company so yeah. that I could create my, you know, lead a culture and, yeah. and shape something of, of my own. Yeah. Because you've used um, culture quite a bit, yeah, which is, I'm big yeah, on as well. Yeah, we always yeah. talk about that. So, um, yeah, so I, I mean, the opportunity with public trust came up. Um, I have to say that at first I was a little bit sceptical just mm. because um, it's, you know, I mean, it's my first foray into public sector. Yeah. yeah. Um, as well as, um, you know, it is quite a big shift in terms of um, where I've come from. Yeah. That being said is that, you know, the co- corporate trustee services part of the business always deals with um, big financial institutions and, yeah. you know, we're there really to supervise them to make sure they're doing the right things in terms of investments and um and how they're in, engaging with customers. And so, you know, I feel very connected and comfortable to that part of the world. Um, and then as as a um, in public trust in terms of our retail business, you know, we look after a significant amount of money. So, mm. you know, we need to invest that and, and the like. And again, you know, I feel like my background leans well to that, but yeah. it is quite a different proposition than mm. before. So. Um, so yeah, so I think that I mean I was delighted when um, the board decided that um, maybe I was the change that they were looking for yeah. um, at Public Trust because it's probably fair to say I was very different to anything that they had there before. Yes. Yeah, um, and certainly I, I did feel that expectation the first day that I did met you? the team. So yeah. yeah, yeah, they were quite ex- you know excited yeah. about. But the, excited about the difference, but mm. it came with the expectation, there's no mm. doubt about it, as yeah. they expected things to change. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think uh, I reflect on the last year, there's been a lot of change. Mm. Um, but, you know, I'm very passionate about a people and customer-led um, organisation that focuses on, you know, if we're doing the right thing for our people and making it really easy for them to serve customers, mm. then customers are going to get what they want and need. Yeah. Um, and then your financials follow, right? And yeah, they're actually course. really healthy. Yeah. So, um, so, yeah, and I think we're starting to see that shift. It's a core part of what public trust does. So mm. we're governed by our own Act of Parliament. So it's actually quite clear about what we're there to do. Yeah. Um, and so I think it's going back sometimes to those foundations and saying, actually, this is what we're here to do. Let's focus on, 
you know, distilling and making it really clear for people, actually, yep. this is what is the expectations. And so how do we how do we deliver that? So for the listeners, what is the public trust and what do they do? So we're a professional trustee services company. I, I say we distinctively have two areas. So yep. we have um, our retail business where we um, will write wills mm-hmm. or enduring powers of attorney. And that's direct to consumer? Uh, yes, yeah, direct to consumer. Yep. And um, we set up trusts. So trusts, are, um, we also um, manage trusts for entities yep. um, mm-hmm. and, and other the likes. Um, we manage over 400 charitable trusts. Wow. Um, we have a lot of trusts that we manage where um, people, when they've died, They've left their um, estate and trust with us for the benefit of others. Yep. Yeah. Um, so we manage all of that. Right. Um, we also provide, because of our expertise, um, we also provide services um, like executor assist. So mm-hmm. if we're not named executor of the of a will, we'll help others who yep. are. Um, and then we've got a really important service that we provide. So under different legislation, we actually oversee the affairs of vulnerable New Zealanders. So people who can't look after themselves, mm-hmm. so they might have illnesses or are incapacitated, we will either look after their affairs for them yep. um, or they might have a family member looking after their affairs and for a period of time we audit that to right. make sure that they're doing what they should be doing right. in the best interests of that people. So, so just on that, how do you get notified of that? Like how do you yeah. come across someone or how does someone reach out to you? Um, so a couple of ways. So usually through the courts. Right. So, um, you know, if you um, if someone, um, say, had an accident and became mentally incapacitated, yeah. um, is that, and didn't have an enduring power of attorney in place, um, is that then the family would need to go to the court to um, get permission or um, be recorded that they are now looking after the affairs. Yeah. And or, you know, if the family doesn't want to do it, then that's where often public trust will get appointed. Yeah. So they can also um, approach us, obviously, to do it through setting up an enduring power of attorney yeah. before mm. anything goes wrong. Yeah. So This would be, yeah. I reckon, a very high percentage of Kiwis yeah. that just have no idea on this. Mm. And unfortunately, it's the uh, she'll be right attitude, mm. yeah. which they need to be on the front foot with, especially when there's assets and, and families involved, right? Yeah, that's right. That's right, definitely. Is that, um, you know, it's often stuff that you don't want to look into the face of, you know. Yeah. It's it's hard stuff to think about, well, what happens if I have an accident and yeah. and I can't do the things that I do today or yeah. um, can't make decisions for myself or, worst case, what happens if I die? Yeah. Um, so, you, you know, we... We're dedicated to helping people work through that yeah. and, and help them to set up the right thing for them yeah. um, so that, you know, they've, they're in, you know, in some way they're in control yeah. because they've made some choices beforehand and those choices are really clear, mm. um, whether it's through an, a will or an enduring power of attorney. And I can imagine investing the time now, while you still can, to have these things set up and in order if something does happen, it's going to save a lot of stress and pressure on your family if something terrible does happen. So it's almost like... Yeah. And money. And yeah. money, definitely. Yeah, yeah. yeah for sure. Um, we're going to cover off in our upcoming educational topics a bit more detail around the wills. Um, so we'll be able to dive in a little bit more detail around these things. But what is your... You've mentioned already... At this um, at public trust that you want to create a really easy and customer focused experience. What else are your objectives at the public trust? 
Um, I think that, I mean, you know, we'll talk about it a bit later again, mm. but, um, you know, today only half of New Zealanders have a will. We'd yeah. love to make a massive impact and um, really change that figure by yeah. making it um, easier um, and more accessible for Kiwis to mm. get their affairs in order. Yeah. Um, so that's both accessible, i.e., you know, we've launched some online services, but, but accessible through affordability as yeah. well, so that price doesn't become a barrier. Yeah. Um, we're also um, really passionate about um, how can we educate and um, and improve the financial literacy of New mm-hmm. Zealanders, um, particularly ar- not just around what we do, but everything that's connected with yeah. what we do. Um, you know how they preserve their wealth, how can they go and get financial advice, yep. and then how do they protect it once mm-hmm. once they've got it yeah. um, by by coming and talking to people like us. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as a key, another key part of our business is our corporate trustee services business. Mm-hmm. Um, so we supervise, um, we're, we're licensed um, under the Financial Markets Act um, to supervise large financial entities and make sure that, so we really, you know, play a role of looking out for the end investors mm-hmm. um, that are the companies, you know, complying with the relevant legislation and doing all the things that they should be doing in terms of disclosure and things like that. So, you know, again, um, you know, we're playing quite an important role in terms of protection and mm-hmm. education and making sure that um, investors can be confident in yeah. terms of what they're doing. Mm-hmm. So, um, y- y- you know, I, yeah, so I think that. You know, particularly in that space, it is about connecting with clients around you know what are their needs and and how do they make it easier to deliver to end investors. But mm-hmm. going a step further to making sure that we're educating and informing um, just general New Zealanders yeah. about um, their investments, particularly now that KiwiSaver is entrenched in our society. Right, it's still relatively new, but. Yeah. It's becoming a really important and relevant asset um, mm. for New Zealanders, and um, you know, and probably is not thought about anywhere near as much as what it should be no. um, by most New Zealanders. And you just have to look at um, Australia in terms of um, where they are. We're probably yeah. ten years behind what yeah. they do, mm. and they've got trillions of dollars in super over there. Yeah, absolutely. And you, you put another 10, 20 years in New Zealand uh, into super, keep we saving that, and there'll be a lot of money floating around. Yeah. I also think um, what you mentioned there. Education is such a big part in pushing education. I've noticed the generation coming through now are all about education. So if you're telling them something, they'll say, so why do I have to do that? Why do you think that? And they're trying to ask more questions, which is a big part of um, in financial services and legality now is I think education needs to be pushed harder, which I think uh, what you guys do is great. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. You definitely manage a lot. You are the CEO of a big entity. How do you manage that? How do you balance your family time and your work life? And what do you do to maintain a nice calm? You're very calm. (laughs) And so how do you maintain that? How do you push away the stress or how do you manage that? So um, I think it's a combination of I've built up a lot of resilience over time. But um, there's two things. One is that I invest some time in me. So I'm Mm -hmm. quite disciplined around that. I go to the gym every lunchtime um, during the week. And um, and that's my time because I I realise that actually if you're not giving yourself some time or some time out to reflect, Mm. then... That's a core part of your well-being. Yeah. Um, I have a hugely supportive husband, mm-hmm. so couldn't do it without him. Yeah. Um, he works school hours um, and you know takes care of our kids. So yeah. um, I've got two boys that are eight and six. Yeah. Um, For long. And yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and then um, 
equally to I'm quite disciplined about where I, when I go home. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's not often that I'm in the office past six o'clock yep. at night because um, dinner with my family is a key part of maintaining yeah. that balance. Yeah. yeah. Um, I've naturally always had a lot of energy. Yes. And so, um, yeah, I have to say that um, moving into a CEO role, I've probably never been as tired as what I've been yeah. before. Um, but that comes from, I think, all of the additional thinking. And, yeah. you know, when, when, when ultimately you're responsible mm. and responsible, you know, for the livelihoods of a lot of people as well as, you know, connecting to customers and getting yep. um, our important work out there, I think, um, you know, I take that pretty seriously. Yeah. But, yeah. but I think, you know... Um, um, I think it's also about recognising when you just need some time, yeah. you know. Um, and and so I feel like I've I've learned a lot, you know, through my career around how I how I work with that and how I manage that. And yeah. And what works best for you might yeah. not be the same for somebody else, but you know what works Definitely. for you, yeah, and um, your family. The other thing is I work with amazing people. Nice. Like, is that you know how um, good is a good team? Yeah, yeah. Like you couldn't do it without. And them. I have to say, the team at Public Trust are just you know. First class nice. in terms of the work that they do, um, the way that they're approaching the business, and you know, and I think that that's critical. You've yeah. got to have great people around you. You know, people that you know are much more talented and skilled than what I am in, in certain areas, mm. and and I think as long as you're developing them and letting them do what they do best, yeah. then you, you've probably got a pretty good recipe. Nice, yeah, that's awesome, mate. Yeah, Feeding so off good. each other's vibrant, yeah, um, emotions that are massive, yeah, mm. yes. so. Um, so to round off, we do a very deep, Kane likes to do a nice deep question. What legacy do you want to leave on this earth? And it can be professional, it can be personal. Um, look, I think for my legacy, I think I'd like to look back and know that it's not just about making a difference in terms of how you're connecting and making things better for customers and New Zealanders. I'd like to look back and, you know, something that my kids can be proud of. Mm. And um, But equally too, I mean, I've got boys, mm. but I want girls to know that they can do anything. Yeah. You know, yeah, I've so. been biting my tongue <laughs> on that. And I thought, you know, yeah. I just think that that's so key. Yeah. It's so amazing to yeah. see a woman kicking yeah. ass in business. Yeah. So I, I want my boys yeah. to be supporting, yes. you know, girls to do great things I want them to do great things too obviously of course Um, but I think too is that you know um, if you know because like other women I think that our self-talk is a pain in our butts Mm -hmm. a lot of the time Mm -hmm. and and you know I think I've learned that actually how can you really shift that and and what do you need to look for to know actually is this making a difference or do you need to change direction and Mm. Yeah, so I think you know, I think my legacy, if I can, if I can help other women aspire to to mm. do great things, and and I can leave a legacy that my kids can be proud of, and 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 equally can learn from, and and that they themselves can be successful and help other women be successful, then yeah. I'd be pretty happy. Nice, awesome, yeah. love it. Just to round it off, lighthearted again. Um, you know, early early riser or a night owl. Uh, so I rise early, but I'm definitely a night owl. <laughs> so I'm burning the candle at both ends, right? <laughs> I'm my own worst enemy there. I've learned to rise early. Well, the, the gym going during the day will give you a bit of energy, yeah, gives yeah. you a kickstart. Um, superpower, would you rather be invincible, have speed, or fly? Oh, I'd have to say fly. It's got to be. Brilliant. Have you ever sent a text or an email to the wrong person? Oh, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> and lastly, um, favourite holiday destination? Oh, Geez, that's a good one. Um, favorite holiday destination? We go, we go to Hahe every 
nice. um, Christmas, yep. um, which and we go with some other families. So that's a super part. Um, so locally, I think that's you know we love it there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Our kids love it there. It's a it's a great place. Um, Favorite holiday destination overseas would be somewhere hot. Yeah, Hawaii, something like that. Yeah, yeah, or somewhere even a little bit more remote than okay. that. Yep. Yeah, for off me. the grid. Yeah, yeah. I'd love to go to Sri Lanka. I've heard fantastic really? things nice. about yeah, that. I have yeah, to. Um, might be a so, while before you get there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Had a superb time when I visited South Africa. I have to say, mm. you know, beautiful country there too. So fantastic. Amazing. Yeah. Over to you, Jess. Thank you so much for your time today. It's been amazing to hear your story. Thank you for sharing. And stay tuned for our upcoming um, educational topics with Glennis as well, focusing on wills, estates, and power of attorneys. Thank you. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. We hope you enjoyed today's episode with Glennis. If you have any questions in relation to any of the content that we covered today, or if you'd like to find out some more information on the Public Trust, you can get in touch with us and we can send you through all the details. Otherwise, you can stay up to date with all of our latest episode releases at www.moneyempire.co.nz or Facebook, Instagram and LinkedIn.